1: Stall to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
0: This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio.
1: I think it would be a big statement if. John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
0: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
2: Achievement or a new milestone, they're not just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, for so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. like
0: Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, of course, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell here, side me, Jared Scali. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, at CLNS Media for the network, same thing on Facebook. If you search CLNS Media, you'll find us there as well. And, of course, the uh, free mobile podcast app where all the network shows lay. Uh, iOS or Android, we're not biased here. You can find us on either one. Uh, Big week for the Red Sox, undefeated, which is exciting. Uh, I know Lauren's a little upset only because there's only a week left in the season.
2: Yeah, just a little bit. It's a very uh, bittersweet moment. I can't complain about the week they had, but now we're entering the final week of the season. So... I'm a little hurt, but I'm yeah. very happy with how this week went.
0: But playoff baseball is exciting. It's an exciting time. We love playoff baseball. So it's a bittersweet moment, but Red Sox went 6-0. and And guys, overall, you know, it's going to be a lot of praise tonight. There's not much to nitpick when the team goes 6-0. Um, and And st- things are starting to shape up in a good way.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, not just six in a row, but nine out of ten, too. You know, they won, they won several games before this week, too, yeah. uh, before that, so... I mean, it's it's great. It's I mean, this is the time when you want to be playing well, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're catching you well. Uh, you know, Mookie Betts we'll get to later in the show. I want to talk about him. But, you know, he's turned it on the entire month of September for the most part. He was in a slump. But, you know, uh, today's game on Sunday, as we record this a day earlier than usual, um, he had a big win in the uh, walk-off hit. Well, not a walk-off hit, but a big game-tying hit in the eighth inning uh, to really bring the Red Sox back there. We'll get to all that. But there's a lot to get to with this team. Uh, but let's, let's break down the 6-0 week because – you know, Jess and I were talking about it a little bit before the show started, too. We never really predict an undefeated week. And when we try to predict an undefeated week, it never happens. So we try to stay away from it. But for once, it actually happened against teams, you know, Baltimore was the surprising situation. Cincinnati's garbage. We, we know that. Unfortunately, there were some closer games there. But this week, the one thing that got me is it was consistent and there was a lot of fire in the Red Sox. Against Cincinnati, they were close games, but they showed heart and that's a big thing going into the last week of the season and and turning around and hopefully winning the division this week knock on wood and uh start the playoffs
1: yeah i mean this these are teams that you want to beat teams with under 500 records and they didn't mess around and that's that's huge uh we'll, we'll start the recap here um with monday's game against the orioles this was perhaps the best one and what jared was talking about with how excited they were and and you know what you have going on on the dugout because this game was huge um it was 5-0 Orioles after three innings, if that tells you all I need to know. <laughs> and in the final was 10-8 in 11 innings for the Sox. So, huge comeback. Uh, we'll, get, we'll go back to the beginning. Uh, Doug Fister started this game, and he was not good at all. He was, in fact, horrible. Only lasted two innings. Gave up four hits and five runs and had five walks with no strikeouts. Really ugly. Fortunately, Dylan Bundy wasn't a whole lot better for the Orioles. He gave up six runs and four and a third innings. He got out of the uh, third inning, unlike Fister. But it got ugly quick. Uh, the Orioles got one in the first um, on a ground out. And then the was the second inning where they got three runs, including uh, a Hayes 2-RBI double to make it 3-0. And then in the third, they made a 5-0 with the sack fly. And you're sitting here like, well, off to a bad start. You just lost to the Rays the day before in the finale of that series. And then the comeback started. Mookie Betts got an RBI single in the fourth to make it 5-1. But then the Orioles got another run, made it 6-1 to one in the fourth. Then it all fell apart for Bundy. Uh, he gave up an RBI single to Bradley Jr. in the fifth, and then a two-RBI single to Brock Holt, who's starting to hit more. He's brought his average up about 20, 25 points. He made it 6-4, to four, and then Bundy came out, um, and Michael Gibbons came in, and Mookie Betts hit a 3-1, another big hit this week, to make it 7-6 to six and take that lead um, before the Orioles came back. And Pedro Alvarez tied it back with a seven with a home run. Tim Beckham made it eight to seven with an RBI double. But the Sox are right back at it an inning and a half later in the seventh. Andrew Bogarts tied it with a homer to make it eight to eight, and that would be the only runs until extra innings. Another extra inning game for the Sox. Um, and Andrew Benatendi ended up hitting a two RBI single in the top of the eleventh to make it ten to eight. The other great thing about all these extra inning games and wins most of them are on the road which is even harder to do you know top of the 11th he gets that and then the Sox shut the door and bottom him half of the 11th inning so this one a lot of energy a lot of spirit the bench was pumped up when the the comeback was happening and just obviously a re- resilient game between being down five nothing six to one getting back the lead and then losing the lead again and then getting back the lead again this this game was awesome it was huge for the team and obviously you really a really big tone setter for the series.
0: If they're going to keep winning in extra innings games, let them go to every game in extra innings. It might suck for the bullpen, uh, but, like, they keep winning. Like, and I don't understand what it is. Obviously, there's some factor there, but, you know, Jess, you just spoke to it, and you see it as the week goes on. Um, this past week, they showed a lot of energy, a lot of resiliency as a team that, you know, you saw in spurts throughout the year, but this whole week was like that. And if they're catching fire in a bottle right now and they can kind of hold on to that energy as a team, I don't care if these games are close, because if they if they have that energy to win close games, that speaks of you know maybe beating Houston in the first round, which it looks like who you're going to be stuck playing, um, and then getting to Cleveland and potentially doing something special. It's that fire in the bottle energy that they have right now. They need to hold on to that and keep using it, because that's what's going to help them kind of get through their deficiencies, inconsistencies in the lineup, things like that. Um, and I think this team's good, and they showed it this week, and this game was a great example of what they can be uh, coming postseason time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this game was was on, and like you said, Jess, it was really like a tone setter for the rest of the week. Um, I mean, I it was great to see the offense come alive, kind of bail Fister out um, of taking that loss, and especially on a night where Fister pitched awful, he did not pitch well at all. So it was good to see all that kind of come together. Like the offense backed up the the defense. So it, it's this team is really dangerous when everything's clicking on on all cylinders, you know, starting pitching is pretty solid offense, defense, and we can do great things heading into the playoffs. We just need to continue this momentum and make sure everything is still clicking and everyone's still on the same page.
1: Yeah. And I mean, another for this week, in addition to everything else was obviously the bullpen, which we'll get to, uh, they had an 18 inning scoreless streak, which is incredible. And it kind of started in this game after a couple runs earlier on, um, Hembree and Abad gave up a couple runs early when Fisher went out and then, uh, Workman came in. His run was unearned, but he pitched. And then Scott pitched. Kelly pitched. Reed, Kimbrell, Barnes, and Smith all pitched, and none of them gave up any runs. So, like, a lot of great bullpen work. And I'm sorry. I mean, people can say whatever they want about the bullpen, and I know some people haven't been satisfied even with their good numbers. But like, this bullpen's good.
0: No, I, I think that I will. Sw- I'll, I'll, I'll I'll own this one because I was one of those people. Um, but I will say, you know, Addison Reed has really helped that. Um and Carson Smith has helped that. And my point all year has been, do you trust Joe Kelly late in games? Do you trust you know Matt Barnes? None of us do. You guys can't tell me you trust Matt Barnes unless he's at Fenway Park with like a six run lead. Like, you know, you don't have you didn't have those guys. Addison me was a good first step. Carson Smith looks amazing for what he's been going through. He's a really fresh arm and I heard John Farrell, I think it was on his EI interview pregame before today's game, saying you know, Carson Smith's a wild card factor for us because the bullpen is so taxed and we've gone to so many extra games that Carson Smith's the freshest guy they have. And if he pitches well, that's a huge step for them and a huge wild card that people don't really bank on. And now if he's consistent, you know, this bullpen is really good by the numbers and now they're starting to show it even past the numbers. You watch these guys pitch on a nightly basis, it doesn't matter who you have in there because now even if even if you want to use Craig Kimball in the ninth inning of a tie game, who do you have behind him? You could use Addison Reed if you didn't use him in the eighth. You know, you have these guys who... Can close out these extra in games, and it allows you to use Craig Kimball more, and that's what John Farrell was talking about pregame this this afternoon on Ei um, here in the city. It's it allows you to flex the fi- flexibility of everything else you can do with the bullpen. So, look, I was one of those guys, and uh, they're they're killing it right now, and hopefully, they can consistently do it come playoff time through this last week of the year.
2: I'm just so excited. Carson Smith is everything we can out to be. like he's actually
0: figuring <laughs> it out he's I'm working so
2: happy we've waited so long to see him pitch and he's finally pitching and he's pitched so well he's been consistent he's been solid and it just it makes me so happy because i was like of course i had my doubts where i'm like oh god he's gonna come in and just stink up the joint and it's gonna be terrible but nope he completely put to rest any doubt i had on this guy and he's just I'm, i'm just so happy he's pitching well
1: and like you said, Jared, it's huge with having Reed and Smith being good because that leaves the door open for people like Matt Barnes. Like you said, Matt Barnes got a win in this game on Monday, and we'll get to it. He got the save on Tuesday because Reed yep. and Kimberly weren't available, so he's pitching better now too in bigger spots. He doesn't pitch as much, not expect- right? He doesn't pitch as much, and he's not expected to, you know, do that stuff. But then he might get that the opportunity, as he did, and he did well. Yep. So it it just every all that combined just is is so big for the team and their the team ERA for the bullpen was coming into today was 3.04 which is second in the American League that's uh, sorry second in the majors the yeah. American League second yeah. in the majors which is awesome i mean they've been up there all year but well, that's the thing the numbers
0: test you, you guys have talked about it right the numbers test has been there all year that's kind of what your guys argument has been to me i've right. always been preaching you know just watch a pitch like it's it's missing it you know Matt Barnes is a problem the numbers are going to be there because overall they've been pretty good but you didn't have those strong power inning guys that you trusted all the time and now you do so
1: Exactly. It's perfect. It's it really came together nicely. Getting getting those two guys. So uh, that brings it to Tuesday's game. Uh, this game was just like Monday's game in only one sense: the fact that it went to 11 innings. The rest of it couldn't couldn't be further from from Monday's game. 18 runs in that game. One in this one, uh, and it came in the 11th inning. So scoreless baseball all the way to the 11th. 10 innings of scoreless baseball. Uh, it was started by Drew Pomerantz and Kevin Gosman, and they were both filthy. Pomerantz pitched six and a third innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, Gosman eight innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. They were both fantastic. And then, as we just said, the bullpen was dominant. Tarson Smith pitched two, uh, two-thirds of an inning of scoreless ball with two strikeouts. Addison Reed pitched an inning with two strikeouts. Kimbrell pitched an inning with one strikeout. Joe Kelly pitched an inning with three strikeouts. And Matt Barnes closed that with an inning of perfect ball. None of those guys gave up a hit or a walk. They were perfect. Once Pomeranz left the game, and he was dominant, too, once he left the game, nothing happened. And then, obviously, the Sox scored in the top of the 11th, and they scored it on a wild pitch. Jackie Bradley Jr. scored on a wild pitch off Brad Brock in the 11th inning, and Barnes shut the door. So this one couldn't have had less offense. Six hits for the Sox in 11 innings, five hits for the Orioles, just that one run on the wild pitch. But, I mean, all all I can say from this game is that, you know, once Pomeranz left in the 7th inning, all the way through the rest of the game. Zero hits, zero walks from the bullpen. That's that's clutch.
2: Oh, it's absolutely clutch. And I'm not sure if you guys were were nervous when you saw Matt Barnes come in for for the last inning. I was like, "Oh no, this I is I am not every time. Good.
0: Every time. I don't even care if he pitches well. Like I just can't. Like I don't have I'm on, on the road, too. Especially on the road. Yeah. It was road. on the road and I was like, "Oh my god, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Take him out now. Like fake an injury. Just do something. Get him out of there."
2: I was I I recapped this game and i was like, Oh no. I was like, I'm going to be up so late. They're going to tie the game right now. It's going to go another 11 innings, but it was, I mean, drew Pomerantz was absolutely amazing in this game and it's unfortunate he couldn't get the win, but it's still just, he's been so consistent. He's been, you know, the best behind Chris sale. So, and that says a lot about that right there. Um, and as for the game, it, it was just wild that this, they didn't have an RBI and they still scored the run. They still, that's how they won the game. Um, I think there was only like the third time in Red Sox history that it happened, so that was kind of cool too.
1: Gotta love the history of things never happening because you don't see a one nothing eleven inning game with a wild pitch as the only run. That's that's hard to do. That's great. I'm
0: impressed they but, won. Like Lauren said, I thought they were. I thought that game was distant for a long <laughs> night. The way that was going, all
1: right But this team doesn't lose next trainings. So. As we've seen. No, yeah. I just thought it was going like
0: 15 more innings before they won. Like the way – because that game, like you said,
1: like they were dealing.
0: There was no runs to be had that night like the way it was going. And you, that was going to be how someone won the game, right? In those type of games, it's the hard-fought games where everyone can't hit the ball and all of a sudden something fluky happens and someone gets screwed. And, you know, if you're a Baltimore fan, you almost feel like you got screwed because you lost on on a crappy play. Like you lost in a a really crappy situation. But, you know, if you're the Red Sox, you take that and run.
1: Absolutely. And it was scary, too, in the bottom of the 11th innings. If you guys remember, Devers made an error. He threw a terrible ball to first base that would have ended the game. Yep. And they're, they're, the Orioles had a guy at second with two outs. And they were like, oh, here you go. And then he got the out. So, saved the suspense on that one. Or <laughs> what could have been suspense. So, Seriously. That was good. So, huge win, especially after that comeback on Monday, to come back and pitch 11 scoreless innings <laughs> it was awesome. These were two great games against the team that just swept you, you know, right before that. When the when the Orioles swept the Sox a few weeks ago, so they're kind of a thorn in the side. They had been playing poorly, so to come in here and do extra inning wins uh, in a week where you need to get wins and try to put away the Yankees, it was I mean it was perfect. It was exactly what you needed in those two games. Didn't come easy no. at all, but it you know it happened. That's that's what you need. That brought us into Wednesday's game, and this one was not such a suspenseful game in terms of uh, a close game because the Sox <laughs> won nine to nothing. Um, We'll get to the offense first, and then we'll get to the pitching, because that was the story of the game. But uh, Wade Miley started for the Orioles, and he did very bad. He gave up six runs, four hits, four walks, four Ks, and four in a third inning. So lots of fours for for Wade, good old friend. Four, four, uh, four. He the Red Sox last year, so you guys are familiar with him, and uh, it paid off. And it was the long balls in this one. Mookie Betts had a two-run homer in the fourth inning, first runs off Miley, and then Devin Morero hit a two-run homer as well. Now he doesn't hit so many of those, but he did, and that made it four to nothing. Hanley Ramirez in the fifth inning got a two RBI double to make it six nothing. So the key to this game was all the hits were big hits, multi run hits, uh, and that trend continued in the eighth inning when Dustin Pedroia hit a two RBI double to make it eight nothing. So the, the runs kept coming, and then uh, Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single to make it nine to nothing in the ninth inning. Uh, Pedroia and Ramirez both came back in this game after being out before. Ramirez had missed a week, and he came in and re hits and three RBI so that was huge Betts had his two hits and his two RBI two RBI for Pedroia as well the other story of this game is Chris Sale he went eight innings four hits no runs no walks 13 strikeouts after pitching some pretty bad games this was a huge turnaround for him and of course the big thing in this game anybody who watched it he got his 300th strikeout of the season with the 13th strikeout he came in with 287 struck out Ryan Flaherty for the final out of the eighth inning his 111th pitch for his 300 strikeout, and boy, was that dugout excited for him, and obviously everybody else was as well. Second pitcher That's in Red Sox history to get three outs in a season. Pedro was the other one in 1999 with 313, and well, there's only been 31 pitchers, I believe, around in Major it, League yeah. history to get 300 in a season, so this is some historic stuff, and my God, it was nice to see this guy come back and pitch well, because he's obviously had some tough starts.
0: I, th- I think oh, it's fantastic. It's- oh, sorry, Gavorn.
2: I was literally going to say that. It was fantastic. Um, but it was just, it was so good to see. And it was so fun. Like, you don't see Chris Sale smile a lot. You don't kind of see him really get animated. And he was in a dugout. He was smiling. He was laughing. And um, I thought it was great that that was the game. He, he got hit. A pitch hit him off the ribs or the arm somewhere. And yep. and then yep. he just turned, turned right around when John Farrell came out with the trainer. He's like, nope, not having any part of that. He's like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Turn
0: around, sir.
2: Turn yep. around. And then in the in the dugout, I was getting kind of nervous when they were debating if they were going to bring him back out for the 8th because the 8th yeah. inning had gone a little longer than anyone would have liked, and obviously Sale had thrown a lot of pitches at that point, and we worried about said like 99,
1: fat- 99 right?
2: Yeah. Or 100
1: or 100, yeah.
2: And you know, arm fatigue and all that, so just to see him and to end the inning on that 300 strikeout was so special, and he's just doing. I mean, he's making history, and it's so much fun that he's get he gets to be on our team and we get to watch him do this, and it makes it easier and more fun to cheer for him.
0: Yeah, I, I obviously I think it's obviously fantastic, and you try to compare it to Pedro, and you know I wanted to actually get your take, guys, take on this because one it might get just a little riled up, but overall, you know, it's a great feat, right? And no one wants to take anything from that, but there's been conversation this week of. Why did you put him in the eighth? Or why are you risking him? He's been taxed all year. I'm sure you guys heard this, but it's. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I'm the one to bring it up, right? I always am. But, you know, it's an intriguing conversation because in one hand, you want him to get it. And I don't, I actually agree. Put him back in, right? At that point, he's pitching well. You just let him get it. Um, but people are like, Oh, well, why did you put him in the eighth inning? He was gone long. You want to, he's going to pitch again. You want to make sure he's ready for the playoffs. No, what you do there is you let him pitch, and he probably gets a day off this week. You you rearrange it so he doesn't have to pitch to the playoffs or maybe a last-minute thing. But, you know, it's one of those situations where, at that point, you let him go in. But there's been a lot of talk this week of, why are you doing that? What's the point? You saw the point. Chris Sale was smiling. He doesn't do that. It clearly meant a lot to him. He probably went back to Farrell and said, I'm going back in, right? Like, I want to go back in. And, you know, Chris Sale, the way he pitches if he's one of those guys, like Pedro was, you know, the whole great little situation, which obviously didn't end as well. But it's the, if he says, I'm fine, I want to go back in, you trust him and let him go back in.
2: Oh, that's exactly it. You, you don't tell Chris Sale no. Like, if Chris Sale says, I'm good, you don't go against that. Especially when and... he's
0: pitching. It's not like he's pitching like crap.
2: <laughs> Did you no, see what he said, though? He
1: said that he didn't know he was at 300 strikeouts. That, you can't believe that. He well, smiled. He said he knew of course he, he knew. He
2: said he knew he, he, said he, knew he was close. But I think he I mean, if he really didn't know, he definitely knew before he was even back in the dugout just how everyone was reacting. Oh yeah. So but I mean I I would have put him in for the eighth. I understand why people are up in arms about it and they're they're kind of against it, but at the end of the day, that was Chris Sale's call. You know, you had you had to John Farrell just went up to him, you good? Yep, good. That's it. That's all he needed to hear. And people were like, Oh, his next start's slated for Fenway, so why wouldn't he let him get it there? Well it's like you know david ortiz got his 500th home run on the road you just can't predict and they'll probably do something on on tuesday when he when he's you know he's uh projected to pitch on tuesday so they'll they'll probably do something fun for him then and it's just you when a pitcher has a chance to make history you let them go out and make it you let them go out until they tell you i'm not doing this especially why he's the reason
0: why you stayed afloat all year like there exactly. were some bad times and with this team. People were the offense was terrible at some points. Like the bullpen wasn't figuring out some points. But you knew for the most part, when he went out, he was dominant. He was getting you wins.
2: Oh, absolutely. And like you said, you, you don't tell Chris Sale now. And I, that's been my argument when people are all like, no, they shouldn't. They should have taken him out. Like, nope. You don't tell. You don't tell Chris Sale <laughs> now. He probably has a pair of scissors in his pocket at all times.
1: <laughs> Love that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I I mean, I understand their point. It's like, you know, all we've been saying and hearing is, well, he shouldn't be pitching all these games. He needs to get rest. They need to skip a start, blah, blah, blah. We said he should skip a start, so I get all that. But when the guy has 12 strikeouts in seven innings... And he's one away from 300. Nice. I mean, it's a storyline. It's you know, it's human nature. We're humans. We like the storyline. You want that 13 strikeout? Get that 300 right there. Send him back out there. Do the manly thing. You know, that's that's just human nature. And you know, you can get lost in it. You can say, well, they have to be looking out for the team, and they 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 have to, they have to preserve his pitches and get it next time. But you know, they said, screw it. He wants it. He's throwing 100 pitches. He needs three outs. He needs one strikeout. Just give it to him. So I think that's what they did. I see why people are saying that. And maybe it's not worth it or whatever, but like, like I said, it's human nature. This is, this, you're one strikeout away from 300, which does not happen often. If like, the, you don't want to, you don't want to have a game. You have to if, do it now.
0: If the eighth inning didn't last as long, do you think it would have been even an argument? Like, would we even be talking about this?
1: I think probably because people still would be like, you're supposed to be skipping a start. You have a nine nothing lead. Why are you, you're an eight <laughs> nothing lead at that point? Why why are you pushing? Yeah, people will still complain about it. So I think I think they still would have.
2: No, yeah. no not doubt. Yeah. People always find something to complain about. <laughs> yep, that's my job.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome. I don't know what they'll do from here on out. I still think they should give them a rest, especially with the division lead at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens with it. But that was an awesome moment and really fun to watch. And I don't think they'll catch 313. They need to chase it because I don't think there's any point at this point uh, with how with how little games there are left. I think he should settle for second in the unbelievable season he's had. I have Pedro keep his 313 for the lead. So we'll see what happens, but that was that was the big one. 300 is the big one and more importantly, you know, he needed a good start and he pitched fantastic. That's what we need. So, strike out the side, history aside, team-wise that's what you needed from him. You, need, yep. you needed to see, I don't care who, te- what team you're playing, Orioles, Reds, Indians, I don't care. Whatever team you're playing, 8 innings, 13 strikeouts, 4 hits, no walks, that's exactly what you need. So that's all that matters. Go Chris Sale. <laughs> Moving on to Friday, um, Cincinnati Reds. This one was interesting. This was a really interesting game um, because the Reds got 4 runs in the first inning, and that's all they got the rest of the game. This one was started by Rick Porcello, and he gave up a grand slam in the first inning, and there were not even any outs, left, it, outs at that point, and he gave up a grand slam uh, to Scooter Jeanette. Jeanette hit the grand slam, and it was a, a really tough start, a brutal start for, for Porcello. The Sox got a run in the first inning before that happened, so it was 4-1 to one at that point. Mitch Morland did a sack fly, so 4-1 to one after 1, but then Porcello settled in, and he didn't give up any more runs over the next three innings. Farrell gave him a pretty quick hook and he was out of the game after four, but he limited the damage after that. Give up four hits, four runs, three walks, three strikeouts, 57 pitches. So Farrell wasn't waiting around and um, David Price came in and pitched two and two thirds clean innings with four strikeouts. So I think farrell that was Farrell's thinking. He was like, well, Porcello's not. You know, he gave up four runs in the first inning. We got a fresh price here to do what they want him to do. You know, a little wrong, long relief at the start. It doesn't go long. So that worked out in terms of that. And then on offense, it worked out perfectly for the Red Sox because they got four runs in the fourth inning. off Sal Romano starter. Christian Vazquez got a RBI double to make it 4-2. And then Rafael Devers hit his first home run in quite a while. His ninth of the year to make it 5-4, a three-run home run. And that would be the only runs that were scored. Nobody scored in the game after the fourth inning. Price shut him down. Reed came in for an inning and a third of scoreless ball. Craig Kimbrell shut it down with an eight-pitch ninth inning. Um, and then the Reds didn't go up any more runs either. They had good bullpen work, five innings of scoreless ball out of the bullpen. So great comeback. I mean, do you guys agree with Porcello coming out after four? Did that make sense to you?
0: Yeah. Um I don't know. I, I, I do kind of agree with it um, in the sense of you don't want to – Tax him too much, but look, I think the story of this game really is how well David Price pitched, right? Because oh, no I think overall you look at it and go, well, he could have easily screwed that up, and it, but it, it gave you that bridge of a couple good innings, you know, gave you what his arm potentially could handle. That's what they're saying anyway, and then it gives you that bridge to the end of the bullpen, which we just talked about is now better because of who you've added and who you have at the end, and now you have that gives you that lineup for Reed Kimbrell at the end of the game, so. I don't agree with the way they're describing David Price in terms of an Andrew Miller comparison. That was was awful. But I think overall he does have a very important role coming into the playoffs. And if people are going to just bash him because he's not starting, well, I really believe he's not starting because his 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 elbow is just not going to let him start.
2: No, his elbow is definitely not going to let him start. He he missed so much time with the elbow injury, and then he's you know it's been an injury since the beginning of the season. So it's just been an ongoing issue, and there's no sense in trying to tax that arm more than it needs to be and if he's going to be able to play a productive role in the bullpen then that's where he belongs and that's just it's gonna be great going into the playoffs and as for Porcello I think it made sense taking him out when they did because you know why like he gave up the, the Grand slam he gave up those runs and you know he can't, you know he, he's not chasing history he's not having the best season out there we know that so there's no sense in taxing his arm more and letting him go out there throw 90, 95 miles an hour for two or three more innings when you can have a healthier Porcello for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he kept them in the game. You know, after giving up the Grand Slam, he held them off for three innings and allowed them to come back with those four runs in the fourth inning. So I think, I think that was smart. And then Price, obviously, took care of the middle innings. I mean, I think it's really telling from what, what John Farrell said. Uh, after the game, he said that their plan right now is to give Price a day off per inning pitched. So after pitching two and two thirds, you know he started he started or he came in for three specific innings. So that's three days off. You know he came in, yep. you know and then did the two and two thirds. He didn't pitch three innings, but you know three different points. So three days off. If that if he needs three a, a day off per inning. There's no way the guy's starting.
0: No, that, that scares me <laughs> enough in that role going into the playoffs, never mind right. giving the ball to start. Look, if he's healthy, he's starting. There's no question. He's starting in the playoffs. You, you, you're kicking Porcella. You're kicking Erod out of the rotation. Porce- Price is in the rotation if he's healthy. He's just not healthy.
1: Yeah, he's a starter. He's a starter. <laughs>
0: but That's why he was in the bullpen when he was, when he got all the when he got those two playoff wins. He wasn't healthy, He and that's what it was. He was coming back from something.
1: Exactly. So, that's that's the thing to me. I was like, it's great that he did this, and I'm, I'm encouraged by that. But, clearly, that's going to be his role. I mean, Farrell didn't specifically say, we're not going to change that the rest of the season. Maybe maybe he'll get off that one inning per day off soapbox he's on. But, I doubt it at this point. End of September, I don't think that's going to change. So, we'll see. Either way, it was good. I mean, it helped a lot. They somehow got the win in a game they definitely shouldn't have won. Down 4-1 four, four to one in the first inning, but... That was great. I brought the us their day, and this one was even better. 5-0 uh, win, three hits for the Reds in the entire game. Eduardo Rodriguez pitched, and he was great. He pitched seven and two-thirds innings, giving up zero runs and just three hits, two walks, six strikeouts, and um, 112 pitches. They really left him out there, and he did really well, and that's super encouraging. His ERA is in the twos in the month of September, so he's really been... He's really been pitching well, and on the offense did enough in this game off Robert Stevenson. They got five runs; three of those were in the sixth inning, and uh, uh, Mitch, Mitch Moreland three-run homer, and that made it four to nothing after a one nothing game all the way up to that point. And uh, Andrew Benintendi had an RBI single to make it five nothing. So Mitch Moreland had the big hit in this game, and um, but obviously the story was Erod. I mean, seven and two-thirds innings scoreless. I don't care who you're pitching against. Just like Sale, that's a really good start. And he's really made a great case for himself in this month to be in the rotation.
0: This is the problem now because you have these guys, and we talked about this, right? The rest of the season has been a campaign for themselves to get in the rotation. So it's really going to be a matter of this week, who pitches the best this week. And whoever has the hot hand, whoever pitches the best this week, you figure it out. They probably have an idea of who they want it to be, you know, um, for for the four guys they have. I can't imagine... Um Erod's not going to be at this point. I really think it comes down to Porcello and Fister, and I just think Fister is out at this point because of the way he's been pitching. And look, I was all about defending Fister. I wrote a whole article about it. Like it's just the way um he he's screwed the pooch the last couple starts. And now I think I think it's Porcello, Erod, and the other two in Pomeranz and Sale. I think that's going to be it unless something really drastic happens this week. Someone gets hurt, whatever it may be.
2: So if. Pfister goes out in his next start or two, whatever he has left, and pitches seven, eight innings up to two or three runs per start, and Porcello, over Porcello.
0: (laughs) I tell you, ride the hot hand. If he figures it out, and something's working, screw it, you know, and and you're going to wait anyway, you know, you're going to have a couple starts under your belt, and you might even be able to, you know, if you have two options, you could fly it and say, hey, well, you know what, here's the deal, but... I, I think if Fister goes out and does that this week, like I said, this week's pretty much audition week because they've they've all been up and down the last like month. They've had a couple good, a couple bad. This week's Minus it. You, well, yeah, but and, well, yeah, Pomeranz has been fine. I'm not ta- lost, I'm anyway. talking about the bottom part of this rotation. Right. This week is huge. There's, I think they're all going to start at some point this week. They have to. So this is it. If you want to be in the playoff rotation, come that first series. Do it this week and make John Farrell make a decision.
1: It's a great problem to have. I mean, the inconsistency is obviously isn't ideal for Erod, Porcello, and Pfister, but Jesus, I mean, to have the, to right. have these guys all be possibilities to start and you're sitting here being like, oh, I wonder who's going to have a bad start so they can get kicked out of the rotation. That's a great problem to have. Not every team has that issue. But is it a problem a because issue.
0: they're really, really good or is it just because they're inconsistent and you can't figure it out? That's my concern because they are, they're all good, but they haven't been consistent. So now my only concern is great, it's audition week, and then next week they suck. That that's the issue they're having right now, and they need to find right. someone who's consistent. And they don't know because no one has been. Right. It's gonna be the lesser of thing. three evils.
1: Yeah. Either way, though, no matter how you put in, it should be good because they'll probably be pitching well. Because that's kind of how you got to go with. So exactly. I'm fascinated to see what happens. It'll be yeah. it'll be really fascinating to see what happens. So, and the other cool thing from this game before we move on to Sunday's game was that Luke Farrell pitched against John Farrell. Uh, he pitched the ninth inning. Um, he's on the Reds now, he started the season with the Royals, now he's in the Reds, and uh, he pitched an in inning, he gave up two walks, but didn't go up any runs, it's the first time in Major League history that a pitcher has pitched against his father, it's happened where a batter's hit against his father, the last one being in 2004, Moises Alou against Felipe Alou, but first time the pitcher against uh, his dad, and really cool moment, especially considering they're both cancer survivors, not just John, but Luke as well, yep. really cool story there, and I mean, how, ha- how weird must that be for John to be sitting there watching Luke against his team? Thank God it was a five nothing league because you you know that John Farrell sitting there rooting for his son. How could you not? Oh, be at Of course
0: that point? he is. You are. You're obviously rooting for your son. And look, I, it's kind of a cool moment because especially because you know knowing they both survived cancer, it's a moment he flew out earlier in the year to watch him make his major league debut when he was with the Royals. That that's a cool situation because of that tie they have. You know, as much as their father and son, they both their father and son and survived cancer. So it's a tie that not all can say they have. So you're John Farrell today, or the other day, you're you're by far fruiting for your son against your own team because you're winning, it doesn't even matter.
2: It, I love it. I love family moments in baseball, whether it's pitchers going to see their dads after a game or especially something like this, and it's like the first time this has happened. So it was definitely a cool moment, and you know deep down when um, I think it was Moreland fly out to end that inning, um, you know, I know they tip their caps to one another, but you know, no deep down, Farrell probably just wanted to, like, clap and be super happy. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, that's my boy. But he was like, all right. It's all right. It's good. Nice yep. job. Golf clap. Great job.
0: <laughs> like, how like, would he, he not
1: sit there and, like, cheer and clap when he got the first strike out of the inning? <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's yeah, probably,
0: like, I mean, under his breath, like,
2: yeah.
1: Nice job. Go, go, Luke! You go, like, Luke! I know.
2: Like, how do you root against your family? I mean, it's obviously. I know it's it's a game, and family is bigger than baseball. But I mean, it was just. It's a really cool moment, and Luke Farrell has uh, a beautiful set of hair. I don't know if you guys when he took off his hat, I'm like, I like I pulled the dress, and I was like, wow, hair.
1: <laughs> he doesn't look like John, though. Do you feel like I don't feel like he looks like that much like him? No, I didn't see a lot I, of similarity.
2: It's funny because I said like, oh, I'm like he's very very good-looking, and my mom's like, well, John Farrell's handsome, and I was like, oh, you too. Well, so. The Campbells love John Farrell.
1: That's right. So that was a really cool moment. Really cool to see, and I'm just glad for John's sake that it was not a close game, because if it was, like, a tie game, or, like, down by one, like, obviously you gotta be rooting for your team, because you're trying to win the game, but the game was secure at that point, thank God. So exactly. I'm glad for the dean to make a decision about who he was rooting for. <laughs>
2: yeah, me too, me <laughs> That's too. A tough
1: decision to make. So, so that was great. Uh, that was the fifth straight win, and brings us to the sixth straight win here on Sunday, um, as of record date. As Jared said, a day early, uh, and this one, lucky to squeak this one out. Kind of like, except even more dramatic than Friday, because that one obviously we're down four to one, also, and uh, same case today. It was one nothing in the first. Scooter Jeanette hit an RBI double in the first. And then nobody scored until uh, the fifth inning when Rafael Devers hit a solo home run to tie it at one. But then the wheels fell off a little bit for Fister in the fifth inning a lot later in this game, which was nice because he actually pitched pretty decently today. Uh, he gave up a RBI triple to Billy Hamilton was the big run. Uh, and They got another run at that point. But then um, we went to the eighth inning, and it was 4-1 to one after another run in the 7th for the Reds. Uh, and then Mookie Betts hit a 3-RBI double to tie the game at 4. After a Vasquez walk, a Bogart single, and a Benintendi walk mixed around and out. And then Betts hit that RBI 3-RBI double to make it 4-4. Four to four. And then Rafael Devers got the 5th run in with an RBI in single. And that would be the only runs they needed. And it was a 5-4 to four win. After uh, Addison Reed and Craig Kimbrell did their things, two innings combined for three strikeouts, as they've been doing. Robbie Scott got the win. Um, So this one was pretty unlikely, but it was nice to see Pfister. He did go up nine hits, three runs, but he had nine strikeouts and no walks in five in a third inning. So he went deeper into the game. He got the Ks. That's a lot better than he had done the last two starts, so that was encouraging. And, uh, I mean, this was a game you probably shouldn't have won, but, you know, if you're a good team, you just make wins happen. They pull out four in the eighth inning. Mookie Betts did his thing, and you got a six zero week. It's pretty
0: cool. Yeah, and you and you. I mean, you go to this game and think, okay, well, worst case, they're getting screwed, but whatever. They lose this game, five in one week, no big deal. Uh, Yankees ended up losing today too, so like whatever, not a worry. But you know, that's that situation today is what I'm talking about in terms of you, you see that lightning in a bottle that they need to hold on to. Mookie Betts in the eighth inning, who a guy, and we'll get to him in a second here, but hasn't wasn't doing well people were talking about oh what happened blah 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 is he hurt like why is he not doing well he's come out and had a huge month and he had emotion because it wasn't just the the rbi double then he came around to score and he was fire on the base pass he got up was amped up super excited the dugout was excited you know that's the energy you haven't seen consistency all year in a game like this where yeah you might be upset or might be annoyed the fact that they're down 4-1 in the eighth, or barely beating, end up winning against the Cincinnati Reds. Good teams win those games regardless of how tough of a day it is, and they did that today. So that energy is kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show.
2: Yeah, it was so good to see like the energy like that. It was just, I mean, you know, that's it wasn't just the fact that he scored the, the run. It was so much like he wasn't doing too well. He had that thumb injury, and it was just kind of a downtime for him. So to really... Spark game and for him to come in here and clear the bases on a double and then end up scoring that that run, it's just it's huge for him and it's obviously huge for the team too. Especially going into October, we're now a week away from October. We know we're going to the playoffs, so for him to heat up now would just be absolutely perfect. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's you got to have your best players, and he probably is the best player on offense. So no doubt he is. So that was huge to see. And just great to get that win. And uh, with Yankees' loss, there's now seven games left in the season and a five-game lead. So that is, that's about as sure as he gets without being completely sure. So it would have to be end of collapsing this last week to not win the division, and it's not. I can't imagine that happens. But great week, six and zero. I'm going to give the MVP to the bullpen because before today, where one runner and run was given up, but that was it. Um, 18 consecutive scoreless innings for the bullpen to bolster that era even more i mean there were several players who did really well this week as well but there was uh three shutouts this week one nothing nine nothing and five nothing the bullpen was just fantastic and i'm definitely giving it to them because they've shined all year and hey goes to show you you pitch well you win games bullpen was great six and
0: oh we'll see and that's what we're talking about here this whole recap has been a theme of look at look at what you did when you added sure arms in the back end, Carson Smith's coming back and look good and he's had a good month to really get consistent and be comfortable back on a major league mound. There's no coincidence where you start to get consistent arms and now you're giving M V P to the bullpen rather than a player. Um it just it lines up perfectly and this is the assurance we need because, you know, there could be a day where you have One of those back end starters not do well. We've seen the inconsistencies there. This kind of effort from the bullpen is what's going to help you feel a little more comfortable as a fan, as a player on this team, going into the playoffs. And you know, if one of those guys might have an inconsistent start, you have potentially David Price and longer guys in the back end to help you kind of push through it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree with everything you guys just said. I can't, you can't not give it to the bullpen this week. They've been solid. They've they had that streak of eighteen scoreless innings, and then you know if it wasn't for was it workman workman today who gave up the runs that that inning i mean that streak would still be holding true but they've been super dominant super reliable which is super helpful going into the playoffs and especially this is the last week of the season coming up so to have the bullpen solid to have them like really rested and ready to go is something so important especially going into this last week
0: there you go, love it. Red Sox six and zero, which is insane. We never predicted. I'm mad that we decided not to, but hey, six and zero, they're practically the division champs. Without being the division champs, I'm sure you're gonna get about a tweet, a bunch of tweets and excitement from the three of us this week when they finally clinch this stupid division finally for the uh, for the right to not have to play in the dumb wild card game, which I'm not a fan of. So those pesky Yankees, those pesky they keep hanging around. <laughs> Yankees are in the playoffs, people. You, you, you might are. see them. Who knows? But uh, that would be some miracle if we saw them in the ALCS again. But Red Sox, 6 0. They are playing well. Thank God the Red Sox are too. Uh, MVP goes to the bullpen. And just as recap, in the first part of the show, it was brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. You get new contests starting every week. No busted season. Something for everyone to play. Lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just a dollar, you can pick the contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. It's new every week. You don't have to get screwed. Um, If you had a player go down with injury, you're not sure. Maybe you're. You drafted poorly and just all downhill from there. Nice thing is you draft every week. Stand to the salary cap. Um, I know we've been doing it with the Listener League. If you go to FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox B, you can play against us. I did not do well today, people. But um, that's okay. That means next week I can reset, draft new players, and I don't have to think about this week, unlike those uh, yearly fantasy situations you might have. And, and, and guys, it's a, it's a great time to play against the uh, listeners as well. Oh,
2: yeah, it's a lot of fun. And like you said, the best part about FanDuel is you don't have a busted season like I have Johnson on one of my teams and I have Olsen on one of my other teams for two of my leagues so that's already a hit right there so with FanDuel you just go on and you're like Oops, Doug, who cares like I get a new team the next the following week so definitely a lot of fun and I love playing against the listeners
1: I was so close today in our listener league. Man, I got 108 points, and I needed 116 to get that two dollar uh, winnings. And I was crushed. Eight points, oh, off. Yeah. frustrated, I was, I was hanging it for a little bit. I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it." And then, so still fun though. Glad people are uh, playing and enjoying it. Uh, hopefully, you did better than my 78th place today. But it was good for a while. I, I was rolling. You know, yeah, I did pretty well. But that's, it's hard that's, to win.
0: No, but it's you, hard to you win. Never
1: know. Anybody can win any week.
0: Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, right? That's the edge of you know, and that's what gets you coming back. You're so close to that top, and then if you have a bad week, you're like, "Well, I can redo it next week. Not a big deal." And um, you know, it's cool because you can play, you can join small leagues with your friends if you want to do a couple. Like you can do five, six people, and just put a couple bucks down or or whatever you want to do. And right now, over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on Fanduel. If you sign up today, if you go to Fanduel.com, you click the Join Now button, and you can use our code REDSOXBEAT. The offer really is simple. You try Fanduel for free with no deposit at all. If you just go to FanDuel.com and you claim the free contest and play for a share of $10,000 uh, this upcoming week, just sign up using our promo code Red Sox beat. You'll get that free entry. That's FanDuel.com promo code Red Sox beat void where prohibited. And guys, it's obviously a good time. We all love fantasy football. It works for fantasy baseball. So uh, as well in every other sport there. So just check it out. And that promo code Red Sox beat will get you a free uh, first play. So that's awesome. Um, you know, before we get to other stuff here, we have a lot to go over. And and you know, one thing that we want to talk about that I think highlighted, you know, obviously the win here on Sunday in the eighth inning with Mookie Betts. But overall, last month or so, this guy's been on a tear. Mookie Betts, you know, he, he's been criticized. We kind of hinted at it earlier for not doing well. He obviously set the bar himself for himself high last year, having that MVP type season. Should have been the MVP. We all feel that way. But now it's. He was struggling, guys. He his he wasn't hitting well. He was getting out. He was like 0 for 18, 0 for 20 at some points, and he figured it out. This month's been great, and now I think the energy's back. I think he has a, uh, a chip on his shoulder here, and he's playing around, and this is this can't be a better time for him to really heat up because now you have one week in the season. You win the division. Uh, you see what happens, and you're probably going to play the Astros. You need Mookie Betts to be successful. We've talked about this. Um People were playing well here and there, but you know Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, those core guys, they weren't consistent. And now you have Pedroia back, you have Xander Bogarts playing kind of well. And Mookie Betts is looking like he's going to be that leader that you have really needed and that consistency energy-wise that's really going to help you moving forward because you need him to be consistent to kind of – not really say carry the offense, but uh, be a spark plug at least like he was today on Sunday in the eighth inning where, where a game that they shouldn't have won.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 big to have that line that bat in the middle of the lineup. Obviously his bat's not as big as it was last year with his should've been M V P season with the three eighteen average, thirty-one homers, hundred and thirteen RBI, forty two doubles, two hundred fourteen hits. He had an incredible season. The cool thing is though, you look at his numbers, they are down from last year, but if you like put his numbers against other people in the league, they're still really good. His average is obviously down, it's two sixty three, it's been down all year. That's not gonna change. But he's up to 23 homers. He hit 99 RBI today, so he's going to crack the 100 RBI mark, or he should at least. 161 hits, 45 doubles is more than last year. 97 runs still leads the team. It's not as many as he had last year with 122, but that's pretty close. 24 steals, only two less than last year. So, yes, his numbers are down, but he has walked more, and, you know, he's got more doubles. And it's like, for a down year for the guy, his numbers are still pretty good, and they're still better than most people on most teams. So it's like, it's down for him, but obviously he's still making an impact period for the team. And like you said, the last few weeks, he's been really good. So, I mean, it's hard to find fault. It's, you know, the, the average being lower is definitely, definitely annoying, but it's not really good for, for most players in the league.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the really cool thing about it is even though I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on Betts coming from himself just to have another season like he did last year, and our our expectations were high for him too, of course. But he's still having a pretty good season, despite the average being low, and that is super annoying. Because I've said it before, he's going to hit three hundred for the next seven years, and now he's at two sixty three. But he's still having a tremendous season. He's going to have a hundred RBI unless something terrible goes wrong. He's going to—he's probably going to crack twenty six steals. Like you said, he's still—he his numbers are better than. A lot of the people in the league, so no, it's not an MVP type season, but it's still a very solid season.
0: Yeah, and I I think the biggest thing the whole time has been, I think people have just been comparing him too much to himself last year. For a guy like Mookie Betts, he's still young, right? It's hard to kind of repeat that kind of year. He's not Mike Trout yet, if he's ever going to be. Mike Trout's the only player I can think of that really kind of warrants his numbers that could argue. Well, you know, we can just give him the MVP because no one else deserves it because his numbers are so good every year. Um, Look. He he's he looks more comfortable. He looks like he's kind of coming back into his own and um I hate to kind of word it that way, but I just think that he's starting to kind of see what his role is again. I think he's starting to be more comfortable. There's less pressure on him because you know, Pedroy is starting to come back and hit well. Devers is hitting well again. Like, you know, these guys are starting to hit well that it's not all falling on Bookie bits.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it, you nailed it with last year. I knew at the beginning of the season. I said it I said it in the show. I said it in my my predictions before the season started. I said he's not going to have as good of a season as last year. It's just too high of a bar to set. He has he set an incredibly high bar for himself. Should have won MVP, you know, at 23 years old. Now he's 24. His numbers are totally good. So I totally agree with what you say, Jared. It was just it was just too much. It was he set, he set he set a great bar. It was good for him to you know play that well and to to have that mark to reach, but. There was the likelihood was so so low that he was gonna reach those numbers again the year afterwards. It just it just wasn't likely.
2: No, but I mean that's it's kind of like the sophomore slump where they you know we see rookies come in and they kind of have that really good first season and the second season it's kind of like meh. It's just it's kind of the same effect right here.
0: Yeah, because that year was just so good last year. Now you see it. I, I think part of it, too, was the inconsistencies of, like, he was being moved around a lot this year in the lineup. Hit first, hit third, hit fourth, hit fifth, hit second. You know, because of the injuries, because of, you know, there's been holes other places, he's, he's been asked a lot of. And I think finding a home. No, no
1: David Ortiz. That's yeah, a big thing, too.
0: That's a big thing. Because, you know, even last year when he was hitting third consistently, fourth, whatever it was, Ortiz was there to back him up. So he was seeing more pitches, things like that, and now people were attacking Mookie Betts this year, and then you know, on top of that, he was being moved around the lineup, and guys, I can't imagine being moved around the lineup that much really can't help anybody.
1: Honestly, the fact that his numbers are still this good without Ortiz, the amount of times he moved around and how everyone's going after him, because they're like, he's the best player on the team now, because there's no Ortiz. Like, this is his team, so he's not going to get as many good pitches to hit. When you put it in those terms, it's actually his numbers are still really good, and that's still really impressive and shows you how good he really is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know Jess you said you said this at the beginning of the season where the loss of Ortiz is going to be more impactful than people realize. And it's I feel like every other week we're talking about this and it just goes back to that exact statement is it's it's affecting everyone and even, you know, like I said, Betts is still having a good season, but it's obviously still affecting him.
0: Yeah, so obviously Big part in Mookie Betts is going to be, can he contain the energy? Can he continue to be that spark plug that we've seen this past month, especially the last couple of weeks and today here on Sunday? Um, he needs to r- rally around that and kind of have people rally around him. Um, he, he's getting excited, and I think that's going to be a huge thing for the team, especially because it looks like you're facing Houston, uh, and that, that's not no easy task. Uh, even if you had to face Cleveland, same situation. There really was no easy matchup for this team. So now you have to kind of hope and pray that they come in consistent and ready to go uh, a week from now because the playoffs start next week, which is very exciting. But one thing uh, that I was intrigued about as well, obviously we're looking forward to see how Mookie Betts plays, but we kind of hinted on it earlier a little bit. But just overall, guys, do, do, do you in your eyes see this rotation becoming clear as we move in? Because, like, look, David Price has a nice role there. Do you guys think that it's someone's to lose this week, or let's just dive into this a little bit more? Because I'm curious of how you guys feel about Fister, um, or is it really someone else's to lose at this point going into that final week?
2: Um, I don't know. I think I don't think it's David Price's spot to lose. Um, I think he's kind of secured that, just showing how he's pitched since going into the bullpen. I mean, I don't know. I hate playing the odd man out game because we've done it so much with starting rotation, but. I don't, I don't think it's David, uh, David Ortiz, David Price's start <laughs> um, <laughs> spot to lose at all. I think, um, I, I don't know, I can't. I mean, Matt Barnes, I'd love to get Matt Barnes out of there so he wouldn't make the rotation, but John Farrell loves him, so that won't happen. I mean, I think it's it's really going to be a big week for the bullpen for those people who are. Jared, you call it the audition week, so I feel yep. like the bullpen's going to be really auditioning this week to see, but I, I don't think David Price is in question at all.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with both. I mean, with with the bullpen, uh, there is a lot of good pitchers out there, and you are probably gonna have people like Heath Embry falling out, and you know Fernando Abad, and they both pitch well. So that's there is so many good options down there, We can only have so many. And if when Price, you know, Price is gonna be there, obviously in the pen and not in the rotation. So I think that it's there is definitely gonna be a few guys that get knocked out of the out of the bullpen who probably should still be on the team, but you have that many guys. And then in terms of rotation, I don't know. I mean, it, it's. It's easy to leave Fister off just because he didn't start the year here. You know, he's had a couple of bad starts, but he's also had a bunch of great starts. So I feel like he's the easy one to leave out. It will be too bad for him, and he's also been great against the Indians. So if you get to face the Indians at a certain point, that might hurt. But I think I think the mindset, honestly, with them, with Porcello, is that this guy won Cy Young last year, and even though he's not pitching well this year, how do you leave the guy who pitched game one and won Cy Young last year and leave Moth rotation completely? And hate that so much. And then he, but you know that's going to seep into their brains. And it's, you know, whether that's right or not, I don't know. I obviously want to see him because I like the guy. And I think he's got good potential. But he's been so inconsistent that you don't know what you're going to expect. So maybe they should leave Porcello off. But I feel like Fister would be the easier one to lead off. And I don't think you can leave off Erod at this point because he's had a great September. And then you have Pomerantz and Sale. So I don't know. There's going to be some guys in the bullpen that get left off pitching well. And Fister might get left off too. And that is... Too bad, and that might not be right either. But you got a lot of good pitchers, so what do you do?
0: I think that's what's going to screw with their heads the most. It's the well, crap. Maybe Pfister deserves it. Erod's definitely getting in. So, like, I think it really is down between Porcello and Pfister, And you look at that and go, "Well, we can't really give up the Porcello spot because, like you said, Jess, he's former reigning Cy Young winner, and he was Game One starter this year. And but I also look at last year, right, first playoff game appearance, and he cropped the bet. like." I, right. i'm afraid and i know and doug fister has experience and he's won playoff games so you know with just looking at resume i almost want doug fister in there but i think overall that Porcel is going to get a spot just because of who he is for this team and they're going to play semantics well we've picked up fister late blah 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 it's like, it doesn't matter so i don't think it is even a conversation i think fister gets left out at this point i i hope audition week actually means something um but I don't, I don't think it's going to. And then in the bullpen, you're going to see Heath Embry probably left out of their situation. Abad's going to be left out because you have those other guys, Smith, Addison Reed. Um, you have David Price to worry about as a roster spot. Joe Kelly's there. Kimberl, obviously, like you have those spots to be taken up that guys who might have been doing well, especially now where you had some expanded roster time to get everybody some time. Now it's a hard decision to make for Farrell.
1: And Austin Maddox, too. He's pitched fantastic. He's going to get left off, too. Yeah. You know, people like that. There's so many guys that are pitching well. All these guys have Of course, they've all pitched well. Had 18 scoreless innings in a row. Everybody's pitched well. But you can't have everybody. There's too many bullpen. I mean, that's a great problem to have, too. All these are great problems to have. <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> the right decisions, because if they don't make the right decisions, they're going to be like, oh, why didn't they pick that guy? You know, all the, all the people in hindsight are going to come out and be like, well, oh, they should have done this, should have done that. So, boy, we'll just hope to God the people they do pick actually pitch well
0: well, you got to make a choice at some point because, like we've talked about, the bullpen is kind of flustered now and and kind of flustered in a good way that they don't know what to do. John don't know what to do with this decision. I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he messes it up, but he also could look like a genius because if he leaves someone in there and pit, they pitch well, then great, you made the right decision. So
1: yeah, yep. kind of a, kind of a no win or a win win. I'm not sure which one. It is. It's seriously. <laughs> and, and if you, and if he
0: makes the wrong decision, everyone like me is going to be out here calling first head. That's just the way it works as a manager in the in. In baseball,
2: you can't. Um, I feel in like I feel like no matter the decision he makes, like say he left Austin Maddox in the rotation and I don't know somebody else off of it, like he, they, people would be like, oh my god, why they why is Austin Maddox in the, on the playoff roster? He wasn't. He's been a AAA. He's been back and forth. Oh, everyone's gonna complain. I think, everyone's gonna complain. So he, I mean, Farrell's been under fire all season. He's been ridiculed he's been torn apart by boston media we've ripped on him a couple of times my grandmother fell off the john farrell train over the weekend oh, so
0: grammy it's it, hate to see you she go. Did, she,
2: she's finally off of it i never thought i'd see the day she was farrell's biggest supporter and now she's gone so and i think going into the playoffs i mean you know what he's up against whether it's houston or cleveland and he knows he's got a good problem on his hands right now but he he really needs to put in the hot hands. He. Like, that's what he needs to do. I don't think he's going to do it. Cause it I mean, so, somewhere, like no matter the decision he makes, somebody is, who is pitching really well, who's going to have a really good week this week, is going to be left off that roster.
0: Oh, for sure. You
1: know what I, you know what I hate about people in general? Like, people <laughs> talk about
0: uh, On a different topic, <laughs> like, came- people. They suck, don't they?
1: Maybe they came off weird. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, like, you, you hear people talking about it, and they're like oh, no one's beating the Indians. Like, no one gives the Astros credit for having a great season. And then they're like, oh, if Red right, Sox, the Astros, the Red Sox are going to win, but if the Red Sox face the Indians, oh, the Red Sox have no chance, they're getting swept. It's like, how do you know all this stuff? All three of these teams are extremely good. They all have 90-plus wins. They all have very good teams. I don't know how people can just, like, assume that, like, all Red Sox are going to beat the Astros. All the Indians are going to beat both of them. How do you know? How do you just predict that? The Indians could win 22 straight games, come into a series, forget how to play for a few days, go down 2 nothing, and boom, they're out.
0: And look at this, it's too, like, because look at the Indians' situation, so especially with the Indians because it looks like, you know, barring some drastic collapse by them, you know, they're going to be the one seed. We're probably playing the Astros, and we can talk about this a little bit, too, but the playoff picture itself, you know, Yankees are in the playoffs, and if they win the wild card game, which looks like they're playing the Twins if all else fails, right, because the Angels, the Royals, it's going to be the Twins. So that one-game playoff, if the Yankees win, they've been playing well. They could go knock off the Indians if, if something happens, right. you know? So I don't the think it's going to happen. Series, I, 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 I'm smelling an Indian someone, ALCS. I don't know who it's going to be um, because the, if the Astros-Red Sox series should be a good one to watch. So overall, people are just saying Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. Look a little closer.
2: I mean, I still think – good teams. I still think people just leave out Houston because they're just not used to them being in the American League. I mean, it's still they're, I mean, fantastic this season. They've had 90-plus like, wins, and they've been overlooked. I think a lot of it has to do with that 22-game win streak. But, I mean, coming in, it's like you said the Indians could forget how to play baseball. This is what makes baseball so great is that you can have a team like the Dodgers or the Indians go on those ridiculous streaks and – you never know what's gonna happen in the playoffs. It's clean slate. No like yep. nothing matters in the playoffs. Records don't matter in the playoffs. It all comes down to those five games and who wants it more. And well look at the two thousand thirteen really, Red, Red Sox,
0: Sox. They didn't deserve to win. But they did. Oh,
2: exactly. Like it just and the it, Red Sox,
1: look at the, the two thousand seven Rockies, they won twenty one of twenty two games and got the World Series.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. They didn't lose till the World Series. Like look, the Indians, if it wasn't for that streak, they wouldn't even be the ones you would be playing them next week um but
1: because probably be the three seed yeah
0: we'd have home field for for the series like that streak just changed a lot right who you're playing you're now the the third worst if you want to put that in the, the title um but look the last 10 games cleveland and houston are eight and two the red sox are nine and one the last 10 like these three teams are good and they're playing well all at the same time so it's going to be make a very, very exciting type of playoffs come next week now I'm intrigued by an wild wildcard winner series because even if the Twins do beat the Yankees, that could. Twins are like a sneaky, kind of scary twins team. Are yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> so, like, that could be fun. One thing I want to talk about before we get to our predictions because we wanted to kind of talk about the playoff picture because this is our last show before the season's over. Sad. Um, the NL side of things is intriguing still. We know the three division winners Dodgers, Nationals, Cubs. Uh, not officially yet, but Cubs. Um,. Wild card right now, Arizona's clinched the spot, Colorado, Rockies are there. They're only two games up on Milwaukee and two and a half on St. Louis. So I am really rooting for Milwaukee to knock off the Rockies because I'm the biggest Travis Shaw supporter. It's not even funny. And seeing him hit that walk-off home run the other day, just made me even more root for Milwaukee because I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see him make a push, make this team relevant in the postseason. And you know, not a lot of people can watch Brewers baseball because it's Milwaukee and who watches Milwaukee baseball except people who live over there. So I want him in the playoffs and I, I think they do it. And th- th- the whole NL wildcard, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun week.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a very fun week of baseball, not just on the Red Sox end, but around the league. I mean, this is the last regular season week and playoffs are are right here and people are fighting for playoff spots and i love travis shaw i miss the hell out of that guy and Phenomenal. to see what he's doing over to see what he's doing over in milwaukee is a lot and it's great to see him being able to really give the team life and bring the team like you know we, they're pushing for a playoff run and 30, one yep. 30, dogs yeah dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would I would love love to see this guy get to the playoffs just because i I, I love him. i've I have no reason not to to root against him,
1: yeah, they're a fun story. Yeah, it's, It's been a really interesting last couple of weeks because, like, the AL wild card, like, it was really close. And then the Angels have lost six in a row, the Rangers have lost three, and everybody just completely fell off the map, and now it's going to be the Twins, who have 82 wins and have won four in a row. That's exciting. So, that kind of itself, and then the National League, obviously the Diamondbacks have had a fantastic season, and they're going to easily be in there in the first slot, but yeah, Rockies and Brewers two games apart. I mean, the Rockies with 84 wins, that's exciting, because they usually suck, and then the Brewers with 82 wins, I mean, you feel like they deserve a spot, because they were. They were not first for like three months before the Cubs turned it on a little bit. So they've had a good season. They fell off a little bit, so it would be nice for them to do something. The Cardinals are right behind them, a half game behind the Brewers, 81 wins. Some good teams out there. So, I mean, they all deserve it in some shape or form. They're all going to have, you know, like 85-plus wins, which is good. But that's baseball for you. You know, it's hard to get in the playoffs. you got to be a really good team. 85 wins isn't enough some of the time. So good that there's a little bit of excitement because the AL card just completely completely fizzled out here in the last week. But the NL still got some games, so it's gonna to be tough. There's not a lot of games left, but you know that's it's gonna be a close race, so it's it's fun. Good some good teams out there.
0: Who takes that uh second wild card spot? Go.
1: Rockies. I'm still going Rockies.
0: Brewers. Brewers, yes. Brew crew. I'm all in. Get in there of Dong shot. No one <laughs> picked the card- Screw the Cardinals. They win too much. Screw the Cardinals, right. they're too good. Um, it's like the Patriots in your, outside of New England. Screw the Patriots, not really. Go, go Tom Brady. <laughs> um, he, today I'm was,
2: okay. was phenomenal.
0: Today was phenomenal. Oh, it's great. Oh
2: God, beautiful.
0: Oh, Brandon Cooks is my new spirit animal. But um, look, love to see the Brew Crew get in because you know, obviously, whoever wins the whoever wins the wild card game is going to have to play the Dodgers. So who knows? But um, well, they haven't been playing very well. But, so, so it could be, be a good time thing. to catch it. I wouldn't hate to see... <laughs> see, that's the thing. It's because Arizona Brewer, Arizona versus the Brewers, who do you root for, right? Torrey Lavulo killing it out there. one to throw at the Red Sox face. Milwaukee Brewers, Travis Shaw. I don't know. Uh, it's a tough choice, but hopefully Milwaukee can swing it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockies get in either. Uh, so we'll see. But before we get out of here, we have one more week to predict. So let's get to it. Three versus Toronto. Three, Four versus Houston. Excuse me. All at home. No more away games until the playoffs. Big week, like always, because it's the consistency. You know they're going to win the division at this point. It's just a matter of officially clinching it at some point this week. Uh, Magic numbers, what three? As we sit here and record, three. yes, so three. which is awesome. Um, look, this team's important this week. It's stay healthy, get consistency, win some games, and move forward. So going against Toronto, Jess, what's going on there?
1: I got two out of three from Toronto. I really wanted to pick a sweep because they suck, and the Red Sox are on fire, but because the Sox have won six in a row and nine out of ten, I feel like that Tampa Bay series where they once lost the last game, I feel like one game something will go wrong. Uh, they've just won too many games, um, and they just swept the Blue Jays in the last series. So I feel like they're going to take one game of this and break the streak up, but we'll still take two out of three. That's a good That's a good. Um, series, so I think two out of three from Toronto.
0: Yep, I'm the same way. Uh, like you said, I think it's just a factor. If something will happen this week, um, they might honestly kind of let their guard down as much as they don't want them to. But Lauren might tell us a different story here.
2: I am going to tell you a different story because they are going to sweep the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I just feel like they're. I mean, the Blue Jays—they've given them trouble this season a little bit, but they're they're making that playoff push, and I just see them really riding this six game streak till the end. Nine and, in a row. All right. Nine in a row. Nine Absolutely. A row. Mm-hmm. I mean we have sale projected to go. Uh Pomeranzas is going tomorrow. He's always um, always solid. I don't want to say always positive. He's always solid on the mound. And you know, this is a huge week. I mean, we've said it the last few weeks, but this week is obviously very big. And I just I just the Red Sox continuing their hot streaks, like the offense, defense, pitching, everything is just clicking, and it's clicking at the right time. So let's ride out to the end.
1: Nice, love it. Yeah, Perfect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. An... I'm going to go for uh, the Houston series, four-game season. You know, people were looking at the series for a while and saying like, "Oh, this could determine if the Sox or the Astros get the one seed." Well, now it's probably going to be the Indians, and the Sox are just a little bit far behind. It's four and a half games right now in the Astros. That's going to be a little tough to catch in the last week, so likely to not happen unless they lose a lot of games and the Sox win a lot. So I think going to that last series, I think it's going to be a split two to two. I think it's going to be a good back and forth series. I think it'll be a good precursor to a potential playoff matchup and uh, I think the teams are pretty even so I'm going to split in that series for four and three end of the week and I guess what that would give the Sox 95 wins for the season and that's a darn good year
0: yeah I I look at this week um, I have them winning three out of four against Houston Um, I think that you know Houston and the Red Sox aren't going to show too many cards you know they're going to play but it's going to be a precursor. It is. They're playing Houston unless something crazy happens this week. But it seems like the three top teams are kind of steady course here for the postseason. So you're going to get four games against Houston, and the week after you're going to get a minimum of another four games. So you're going to get a lot of Houston baseball coming to the Red Sox way uh, starting that first starting that first game of that series. So I, I like the way the Red Sox have been playing. Um you might be able to sweep out home field. It could still matter. Depends on how Houston does earlier in the week, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to win three out of four, have a five and two week that puts them um, at 96 wins, and I think that's that's a huge year for them, despite having some issues along the way. 96 wins is nothing to kind of slouch about for sure. But um, again, Lauren, I think you got something different here.
2: Yeah, they're going to sweep the Astros too. That's ah, they're going to they're going to go. Break out those brooms, tabs. people. <laughs>
1: 13-0 Thir- and 0 to end the season? 13-0 to
2: end the season, and they're going to end up Whoa. playing the Astros for, like, nine games in a row. So, um, I'm feeling really good about it this week, obviously. Um, Wait, okay. nine
1: games in a row? They're going to sweep the Astros in the playoffs, too, right? I mean, seven games.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they have the Come potential on, if to... <laughs> if you're
1: going 13 <laughs> yeah. wins in a row to end the season, you got to pick a sweep in the first
2: round. <laughs> I know, I know. but We'll, uh, predict, kidding, playoff. yeah. we'll predict playoffs next week, but... <laughs> Um, I just I'm feeling good about this week I said it just a few minutes ago just they're gonna ride this streak they're gonna just carry this momentum into this week because it's a big week I'm I'm just repeating myself at this point but it's a huge week for the team and for the players to really give it their all to get that home field advantage and to just cap off this season with 98 wins would that be 98 wins I like be, it yeah.
1: I think you're reaching real far for that. That would be awesome. Sure, am. Row, that's that's a huge stretch. That'd be really difficult to do. But hey, why not? Why know. not us?
2: Why not us? <laughs> that's
0: right. Uh, it, it would be very nice. But on that note, Warren's um, very optimistic. Undefeated week, going seven zero. I have them going five and two. Just has them going four and three. Either way, any of this happens would be a phenomenal season. We're looking forward to the last week of the regular season. Uh, don't forget to keep checking out the uh, news feed for post-games, pre-games, all the good stuff there. Anything breaking happens for any reason, we'll get to there as well. Um, and once we close the division, we'll be freaking out on Twitter. Uh, as much as Twitter can be a dark cesspool for God knows what. Um, it also is fun to celebrate the Red Sox on. So we'll definitely uh, be on there celebrating, recapping, and covering the games for you. And We'll be back next week to hopefully talk about a good week, but also your division Red Sox champs, your East division champs, as well as the potential of a first round matchup against the Houston Astros. We'll probably preview that series, whoever they're going to play. And look forward to playoff baseball. Lauren's excited, Jess is excited, I'm excited. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red SoxB Podcast. Uh, you're not going to want to miss any episodes throughout the rest of the season, into the postseason. So don't forget to go subscribe to us on iTunes. rate and review us as well. Keep us near the top, and of course, make sure all the uh, episodes get streamed right to you as soon as I post them. After we get off the air here, he'll get them right away. Of course, don't forget the uh, CLNS app as well. At CLNS Media on Twitter, Facebook, same thing. And a uh, big shout out to our sponsor, FanDuel. Don't forget to use the promo code Red Sox Beat to play next week. Um, but until next week, until we have a potential division championship, we'll be back next week uh, for Lauren and Jess. I am Jared. We'll be back. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Media.